going on, listeners? On today's episode, the guys catch up with news around the MLB and collegiate baseball worlds, and we wrap it up with today's scouting report on childhood video games. We then head over to our episode with Dr. Josh Heenan to talk to him a little bit about his 90-mile-an-hour formula, strength coaching, and his career in the game. Run it! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is Wednesday, July 8th, and I'm back with the boys following the 4th of July weekend. What's going on, Mitch and Jack? Mitch, we'll throw it over to you, man. How was your 4th of July? And and walk me through what you did. It was good, man. I uh, So on Friday, I drove up to Lake Geneva with my girlfriend. Her grandparents have a house up in lake geneva like off the lake there so but they do have a boat on the lake so we went up friday um after we were both kind of finished up with work and stuff went out there uh just kind of enjoyed some food and drinks the first night and then we woke up super early to get on the lake um before everyone else did so we got out there super early and had a nice clean boat ride not a whole lot of people out there was uh you know, throwing, throwing back some, some lattes at like eight in the morning. So that was always nice. Got, got my day going, got me, got me woke. And then, uh, just enjoyed the, enjoyed the day in the sun, man, you know, had some good cookout food and some awesome like homemade food too. My girlfriend's grandmother is a phenomenal cook. So had some great meals, man. Uh, good times, relaxed. And then, uh, I uh, actually dragged, Allie out to a game on Sunday because I was up in Lake Geneva and she probably she probably fucking hates me. It's it's hilarious. Oh. So we're in like we're in Lake Geneva and I'm out there all weekend and I'm like shit, man. I'm like an hour and a half from Fond du Lac. If I don't make this trip right now, I'm gonna have to do the three hour drive from Chicago. So I was like, hey, Al, let's go to a baseball game. And she like hates me at this point. I'm like, I'll buy you dinner. Like we'll we'll be all right. So we go out <laughs> to Fond du Lac, knock this game out, and it is freaking hot, dude. Like it is. 95 in like in northern wisconsin man i don't know what it is i don't know if you guys have ever been up there but like the sun just hits different i swear to god you're like you feel like the sun is just on top of you so we were both kind of dying out there but i got my looks on some guys and you know was able to knock out a game we hightailed it back to chicago decided to stop in milwaukee for dinner um you know got some good dinner out there and then head back to the city so i had kind of an eventful weekend a little bit of travel a little bit of work a little bit of fun time so it was a solid weekend all around man awesome awesome way to celebrate uh, america's birthday jack what about you man how was your weekend it was great uh, i was with family and friends for most of it um tom i want to learn about your fourth of july weekend but before we get going real quick i'm not sure if you guys will think this is as funny as i did but a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that on two separate occasions, I saw a dad and his son playing catch outside. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Made me feel all warm and fuzzy. So mm-hmm. let me tell you about this badass that I saw today. So I'm out for a walk with my wife around like 11.30 a.m. And it's hot. It's like 92 out, no clouds. We're walking past this park, and it's one of those complexes that has four different fields. And I look over at one of the fields, and I say to myself, is that guy doing tea work? We walk by the field, sure as shit, this guy is by himself in a cutoff wearing a bandana, 
hitting lasers off the tee. He couldn't be any younger than 52 years old. Swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) Jack, that's amazing. And I have a funny story about a similar scenario. So when I was doing hitting lessons, hitting and pitching lessons at that facility out in Northbrook, I had a guy call on the phone and was like, hey, can I set up a, a lesson? And I'm like, yeah, sure, get in here. And he sounded older, right? I was expecting this guy to come in with, like, his eight-year-old son. I was always working with, like, youth kids and high school guy. This dude walks in, like, 60 – dude, he had to have been 67. I mean, literally right around 70. And he's walking in, like, hunchback, like, little bat on his back. I'm, like, <laughs> looking around, like, where's the kid at? And he's, like, I'm here. Like, let's go. But he wanted like, some flips? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he was, like, he had a uh, – it was, like, a 70 – or 65 and older softball tournament. They called it something different. It was like, you didn't play the full game. It was like, if you hit it past a certain distance, you got like hits basically. Um, and he was like, just doing it for the the holiday and was like, yeah, I just wanted to brush up on some, some, uh, <laughs> some uh, cage time. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And it just like shows you, man, like everybody, the baseball guys love the game. They, they love yeah. it, man. That's fantastic. I was just picturing the guy that I saw today. It was in Grant Park. So I just picture the guy leaving his house. just like, hey, where are you going? He's got a tee and a bag of balls. Like, Just going to work on some elevated pitches. And he's just backspinning gappers by himself. Dude, it was so hot, too. I don't know what he was doing out there, but more power to him. Tom, how was your 4th of July weekend? I think last week we set the over-under at 4.5 dogs. Yeah. So What'd you get? Nowhere near it. I think I got two or three three dogs um i made a point of getting portillo's on friday so that i could or yeah friday for lunch before i headed up there and then i had like two more up at the cabin so i was up north at a buddy's cabin hitting the lake and everything just very stereotypical minnesota fourth of july weekend it's phenomenal mitch uh you know you hinted at it beautiful weather here in the midwest but I didn't get over that hump. Did any of you guys, you know, beat four and a half dogs this weekend? Did anyone even have a dog this weekend? I didn't even have a dog. I had two bratwurst, but what's his name? Chestnut took down like 78. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to watch that. I was kind of away from all things social media this weekend, but it, it seemed like it was uh, quite an electric feat on that end. So he, he had broke, 78 he broke dogs. his own record, right? Isn't that like his own record or – didn't he beat it? I, I, I have no idea. idea. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. We'll have to look it up. But, I mean, he definitely beat my 75 mark threshold in one year. So <laughs> Both absurd numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, good, boys. I'm glad that everyone had a, a fun weekend, and I hope all of our listeners had a fun weekend celebrating uh, the 4th of July. It's it's always um, you know, such a eventful holiday, um, and obviously this one was a little bit different. But I think um, – Everyone kind of made a point of, of getting together with people and having a good uh, all-around celebratory weekend, so it was good to see. Um, but let's dive into it, guys. We got um, a little bit in terms of the baseball world news. Uh, we're, let's let's start with college programs right now. So we have a couple college programs facing some tough situations. We had another gentleman um, that we talked to today. But Jack, want to kind of run us through that and what you've been you know doing on, on your front to um, kind of get some exposure out there and share with the listeners a little bit more about some of these college programs and what they're facing? Yeah, well, it's really just a huge kick in the balls, to be honest. I feel terrible for those kids, especially uh, what's going on right now is Boise State, their program's cut, and so is Chicago State. And I feel terrible for those kids over at Boise State. They haven't had a baseball program since 1980. 
And in 2019, the school announced that they were coming back for the 2020 season. And they got off to a great start. They played 14 games, I think, before the season was canned. They were 9-2 and two at home, and it, it seemed like they had a good club, and it was shaping up to be a really cool story in their first year back. And just feel terrible for those guys because, you know, what's going on is just completely out of their hands. And then Chicago State is the other program going through this. And Mitch and I played those guys pretty much every year in college. And they play hard as shit. If you look at their record year over year, you might not, you might think otherwise. But as a program, they grew a significant amount from when Mitch and I first played them um, until now. And they were in the process of bringing on a new head coach who was young, energetic, and really good at what he does. And to have all that come to a screeching halt just isn't fair. And I hope every kid at both these schools can find a program that fits them and kind of use all this as just some more fuel to the fire and come back as stronger players. Yeah, Jack Jack crushed it there, man. I mean, everything he said just hit the nail on the head. Uh, definitely feel for those guys over at Chicago State, man, being in our backyard, being a Chicago Division One program. Um, like you said, Jack, they play hard as shit, man. I, I, I know every year – we went to play Chicago State, or they came to play us. It was a dog fight, and I was like, when I f- went through college, I was like, maybe it's just like a Chicago thing. Those guys want to show up at our field, nice field, um, and you know, really fight us. But then I got to see them actually playing a midweek this this spring uh, against U of I, and it was the same deal, man. It was the same deal. They went and played an Illinois school midweek, a little bit bigger name, a little bit you know, higher, better athletes, whatever. Um, and they went out there and they, they punched him in the face. And I think, I think U of I ended up sticking it out and winning, but it was just a dogfight the whole game. And, uh, you know, you feel for those guys, um, a bunch of guys that really want to play baseball. So I hope they land, land a spot with another club. And I'm sure some of those guys will. And for Boise state, I uh, just, <laughs> well, I'm sure just mixed emotions in, in that, state and with that school of, of being shut down from baseball for the longest time finally getting enough funds getting the right people in there to build up another program and for it to be taken away from just a short season is, is tough to see especially in a um, area where baseball isn't really prominent there's not a lot of big division one schools that have baseball programs out there so when a team does open up in one of those states it's a, it's an important deal and i, I think people in that area like baseball. I mean, they have the Pioneer League, um, which runs through Wyoming, Montana. And for those of you who don't know what the Pioneer League, it's a rookie ball team for minor league um, players. And I know those guys that went through there said the fans, the crowd, the atmosphere was always great there and, and people loved it. So, you know, taking another team away from people in that area that don't get, um, you know, that don't get high level baseball on a consistent basis is tough, man. It sucks for the fans. It sucks for the players, obviously in the school. Um, but I hope those guys are able to get in the transfer portal and find a place that fits them and they can continue their careers at a place that is willing to take them on. Is the baseball field blue? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Because I know we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of funding issues going on and a lot of other priorities right now, but that field needs to be blue. Yeah. I mean, that would be badass. Who's the God? Who's the the Boise State quarterback? Kellen Moore was it? Remember back yeah. in the day on the blue field, dude? That guy's slang it. I, he like put Boise State on the map. I feel like, like yeah. after that team and like that field and everything, I was like, man, Boise State kind of looks like a sick place to go. And then you look up the area and you're like, wow, it's kind of beautiful. Like I would wouldn't mind going there. 
all in all, like we both just said, it really sucks. We feel for those guys, and anytime you get something taken away from you like that where you work for it all year, it's it's tough to rebound. So best to all those guys, and we're thinking about them. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, guys, it's tough all around and, and you know, we're really pulling for them and, and anything that we can do on our end to support them, you know, we're we got their backs. So um, let's kind of head over to the MLB side of things. Um, baseball is getting going right now. Um, you know, guys are running through tests and everything and um, players are still kind of shocked on, on both ends. You know, what what is uh, what's the world of the MLB looking like, Jack, right now? Can you give us kind of a, a rundown through that? Oof. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. I don't know. I would say everyone's been so back and forth on the MLB season over the course of the last couple of weeks and months. But after only 1.2% of tests came back positive, uh, I'd say that adds one to the positivity column. Um, now, the real test is going to be what happens as time goes on. You know, the team starts to travel. Guys get bored on the road, if you know what I mean. Um, cause cases are going to go up as people start to get back together. So I'm hopeful that MLB has a plan and that the veterans in the clubhouse can kind of go into dad mode here and lead by example and have everybody locked in, uh, for this short season. But really it's, it's like it has been in the past. It's just week to week. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. And I, I mentioned it earlier too, Jack, Chris Bryant was kind of struggling with the amount of tests that they're doing. I'm trying to be as proactive as possible, but obviously, there's going to be guys that don't feel as comfortable. So it'll be inter- interesting to see as they do more tests, as um, you know, they get closer to the season, are guys comfortable with the amount of testing they're doing? Are guys going to back out and everything? So fingers crossed everything goes as smoothly as possible. But, um, you know, hopefully... Well, the, to- the, the thing you have to consider, too, is that the, the guys that are playing in the league are are just like us. Everybody has a different opinion on what's going on. Everyone mm-hmm. has a different thought process. So like you, you bring up Chris Bryant there and it makes sense that he's one of the perennial, perennial all-stars in the league. So when he speaks out, it gets heard more. So it's really tough to not only have a safe, uh, safe protocol and everything like that in place, but also kind of handle these guys emotions and make sure that they're feeling safe and their families are feeling safe and then guarantee a 60 game season. Yeah. But hey, for our Cub fan listeners too, how about starting it off with the Brewers and then finishing it over at you know G Rate Field, um, Cubs White Sox to end the season? How about that for Chicago banger of sports? So sweet! It's yeah, gonna be gonna awesome. Be awesome. It's gonna Playing be playing in Milwaukee's a home game anyway, so that doesn't matter. On a Friday at six thirty, holy shit, boys! <laughs> There's gonna be so many Millers deleted that weekend. A lot of great tasting, less fillings. I love it. I love it. Um, anything else in the MLB world that we kind of want to run into the uh, scouting report? Let's run in the scouting report, man. I think All we right, hit guys. it. We the hit scouting home. report is brought to you by Goat Baseball. Head over to goatbsbl.com and use code CHIRP15 for 15% off your next purchase. Um, we're going to be talking childhood video games today, guys. Um, best video games growing up as kids. So last week, Jack started. This week, it'll be Tommy Mitch Jack, Tommy Mitch Jack, Tommy Mitch Jack. You guys ready to run it? I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> Jack's, <laughs> Jack's not confident going in this one. I think I'm going to take one of the hottest games of all time off the leaderboard right away. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That, was, a great that was on the list. Yep. That's a great answer. Tom, give me one second. I'm going to cross that off my list, and now we're down one. <laughs> Jack, I promise you, I, I don't think I don't think we're going to cross. I was more of like a 
I was kind of like a big gamer when I was little, actually. Like one of my best like childhood friends, their family, like big gamers. So I was always like, you know, the Nintendo, um, the GameCube, the, like the PlayStation, like all different ones. So I got the full realm. But okay. I'm going to throw this one out there. This is like an old school one. Crash Bandicoot was one of my favorite games. Crash Bandicoot. It was okay. Phenomenal. Now, that that's I'm I'm guessing that's a good answer, but I don't really know what that is. Right, and that that's why when I came into this, I was like, Jack, I promise you, I don't think we're gonna cross. <laughs> he said, I think, I think we have different taste in games. Growing up, growing up, we played. He was like that little fox guy, Jack. Yeah, he was it like was the little like, guy you ran around and ate the apples. It sounds yeah. really dumb to talk about it. it. Actually, sounds fucking ridiculous, like ludicrous when you talk about it. But when you play it, I promise you, you get sucked in. It's phenomenal. One of the sweetest games ever. All right, good choice, okay. Mitch. Jack, what do you got in the one spot? Madden 2004, Mike Vick on the cover. Such a sick game. Okay, we we can can talk about that. Can we talk about that game? Like, Michael Vick was unstoppable. (laughs) You could could literally drop back in the shotgun, run to your own end zone, do like 360s in the end zone, and then run it back for 100 yards for touchdown. Like, damn near every time. He was that good. No, Mitch, that's a great point. Like, I don't, when I was a kid, and even now, I don't play many video games now because I'm married and I'm a nerd and all that, but when I was younger, I wouldn't go play video games to dissect defenses and audible out of cover two versus cover three, like the video games are today. I played video games so that I could play as the Falcons and run that little QB sneak play and end up running for about 150,000 cumulative <laughs> yards in one play and continue to outrun the defense. That's You're what just a video tag at is. that point. A little bit <laughs> unrealistic. Today, today it's just way too complicated. All right. My two spot, which I think I'm going to audible and change it up because I want to win on social media, and this game was so sick. <laughs> You're going to pander? You're going to pander to social media right now? That's yep. unbelievable, Tom. You're a MVP. sellout. That's MVP Baseball 2005. Oh, that's bullshit. That doesn't that's, count. That is bullshit fucking bullshit, Tom. And you should be suspended from the podcast for that. <laughs> because I, we, you know we all had that on our list, and we weren't going to say it. We weren't going to pull that trigger, and you, you fucking did it. I hope you enjoy your votes, Tom. All right, that's – that's a great game. Also, the soundtrack in that game was perfect. Dude, amazing. Tessa! <laughs> Tessa! Yeah, that's that's a good one, Tom. That was the first baseball game I ever got, though. I remember you go spend, now they're $59.99 for a game. It was like $49.99 at Best Buy. And I was like, my dad's like, this is a fucking arm and a leg. Why are we getting this game? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you probably oh logged so many hours on that thing. So many hours. My buddies would come over and we would each create our own pitcher. Oh, and yeah. Just run through a season with each other, just simming it and see who would have the best stats at the end. And then we'd just play the playoffs and, and then we'd start <laughs> another one. <laughs> yeah, dude. What a, what a great game. Great that game. That game is so good that people my age still play it. I have a buddy. We have a buddy, Joe Rossi. <laughs> Shout out to Joe Rossi. If you're ever talking with him on the phone – and you're just like, hey man, what's going on? He'll he'll say, oh, I'm I'm currently in uh, 2017 in my franchise mode of MVP 05 baseball. He just <laughs> grinds. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, shoes oh, up now. Mitch, you're up. I'm up. So I guess I guess I took a little different angle than you guys on this. I went like way back, like way way back when I was playing. So this is a this is a computer game that I used to play. 
You guys probably played it. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Roller Coaster Tycoon. Dude. So Roller Coaster sick. Tycoon yep. was such a fun game. And it was so simple, so basic, and so challenging, you know, to actually bring in. Like, it kind of taught you, like, business a little bit, too. You know, you had to, like, set the prices on the snow cones, right? Otherwise, your whole fucking ro- – your whole town would go to shit. <laughs> you had to make sure you put, like, trash cans out because people just, like, throw shit on the ground and shit on the floor. Like, I, I never understood that. But yeah, it was, like – 74 kinda, of your fans have – or 74 <laughs> of your uh, – customers have covid over by the uh big yeah loop. <laughs> yeah yeah and you had to adjust you had to adjust it was constantly like changing you had to, it was fun it was fun it was a strategic game but it was also pretty cool so i i, I liked roller coaster tycoon a lot good pick big fan. all right this one you guys can call me out i don't know if this counts i think i was in seventh grade when this came out so i would consider that my childhood call of duty modern warfare oh dude yeah, that's a good game. Yeah, that's right in the cusp because I was going to throw a, a PS2 one in there, but well, I'll take it out. But yeah, that's that was an Unreal game. I mean, like that was just like the most iconic. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you Modern Warfare. Not I wouldn't I, I would have dinged you on Modern Warfare 2, even though that was a phenomenal game too. Yeah, two of the best yeah. games of all yeah. time. Yeah. What was okay, your favorite? That was the first game when you were addic- like made you addicted to video games. Yeah. Oh yeah. What was your favorite gun? What'd you use? What was your setup? Um, wow, it's a great question. You put me on the spot. I can't even think of a gun from that game. But I remember that was the first game that had the red dot scope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that was like the best feeling in the world when you were locked in on some little turd walking across the screen <laughs> with your red dot and just smoked them. Taught, taught you how to talk trash, too. Exactly. Trash that was like one of the first games that online gaming was like big for Call of Duty because... In PlayStation, like, unless you were really into gaming, like, no one really had the online stuff. It was always just, like, you know, you have buddies over and you're playing split screen. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That is I a good one. I think that that was a great choice, Jack. All right, I'm going to go back a little bit further so I don't cheat like Jack just did. And uh, I'm going to throw, Mitch, you'll probably appreciate this, Ratchet and Clank. Oh yeah, that was a good one, man. Ratchet, Ratchet Clank, Clank was a good was a one. Very fun role playing game. I loved it. I loved it. That's just you guys are so lame. <laughs> Sorry, we're sick. Okay, do you want me to throw in backyard baseball in there? Yeah, or? like come on. <laughs> that game was great. It, it was. was great. It was. Like, come on. You're gonna pan. You're gonna pander to the social media with MVP yeah, Baseball yeah. Five, yeah. and then go Ratchet and Clank to follow it up. Okay, well, I thought it'd be super stupid if I did two baseball games in one. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's fair. Fair, Tom. Yeah. That is fair. All right, no, that's, that's a good game. All right. I got a, I got a couple on here. I got a couple honorable mentions, but I think Wait, this... Is that our last pick? Round three. No, no, no. Round three. We're round, round three. This is my last pick. But I got like a couple. But I got a couple pick left. Two. So we'll run through we'll, we'll run through honorable mentions after Jack's pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like trying to go through my list and make sure I'm like picking my my true third because I didn't think you guys were going to take any of these, but you know you never know. So my number three was Super Smash Bros. Melee on the uh, GameCube. That was like just like all time great game forever. It should have been and a top it, one or two pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was kind of holding out on it because I was gonna you know let you guys have some fun with it but i was kind of surprised it lasted this long but i have to go with it it's like the it was like the ultimate like grab four controllers with your buddies and just like fucking go to go to town there's no like story mode there was no like 
really like stats or like it was just like get in there and fucking battle like it's just, <laughs> exactly. that's all it was it was great yeah it was just great so simple but so great shoot i'll follow that up with with my last pick being mario kart Ooh. okay so sick too yeah wait n64 or uh gamecube Ooh. one is it's a good have, question uh... that is a good question for some reason even though less people had gamecube i think of gamecube first yeah mm-hmm. interesting Either way, but either way. Yeah, either way. They're phenomenal games. Dude, and it's stayed relevant this whole time. They have to. Yeah, they have to stay and make that game. I mean, yeah, it's on the Switch now and everything. That's a huge point that or reason why people like in the Switch. All right, let's run through it. What what honorable mentions do you guys have? I'll start with mine really quick. I had NHL hits. Um I had that burnout three where you'd like drive cars and crash and try and make the mm-hmm. biggest crash in the city. <laughs> um, and I also had another Madden in there, but like mine was Madden 03 or 05. So sure. What'd those you guess? Those are all good games. Dude, I have, I literally have like four honorable mentions here. I so I got, <laughs> I got Simpsons hit and run. Okay. Sweet game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> An awesome game. Simpsons hit and run. Golden eye. I don't yep. know if you guys played GoldenEye. That like was probably one of the first shooter games I ever played. Yeah, yeah, that that was a phenomenal game. Um, what else did I have? <laughs> I had one. I don't know if you guys ever played this game, but the reason why I put it on my honorable mentions is because it literally put hair on your chest as like an eight-year-old. It was the most challenging game ever, and it was like the first game to ever, like if you fucked up a level, you literally had to start like this whole game over from the beginning. Like you like couldn't just like – you know, go to a checkpoint and start over. Like there was literally like levels that you had to beat. And it was uh legend the Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda, Ocarina Time. It was just like the hardest game ever as a kid. And it really like taught you perseverance, taught you to be a tough kid. So that was that was a good one. Um yeah, those are the three that come to mind right now. I had another one, I can't remember what it is, but I'll I'll pass it to you, Jack. Uh I had another one that was on the age border, Halo. Oh yeah. god. Yeah, don't know if that counts or not, but that was an all timer. This one, I don't think anyone ever really got into it, but for whatever reason, I played this game religiously. Backyard hockey. It was pretty sweet, dude. It I was think all pretty, those games were good. Like Mike literally, I know. Good. Yeah. yeah, and then the other one was Slugfest. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> the best. That <laughs> game was unbelievable. <laughs> Get the first base, just start beating the shit out of the first base with. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's we could have had like. Three different brackets of this, honestly. Uh, oh, like, there's so e- many games. Easily. I also had, oh. like, from Sega days, because Jack oh, and I's yeah. grandparents had a Sega at their house, and, like, NHL 94 on there was so sweet. They had, like, had Sonic? Like, like yeah, Sonic? Sonic, Sonic yeah. on there was sweet. Frank uh, Thomas used to have his own video game. I don't even think you played games in it. You would just do <laughs> – you would just take BP and hit – 850 foot homers <laughs> that sounds like a great game it sounds like a great game. It takes everything you don't like out of the game of baseball and just takes the best part of just hitting mammoth home runs and that's like that's it there you go exactly. oh another unrealistic game before we wrap up here i don't know if it was a year or if it was just a one-time thing but nascar made a game one time mm. that game was ridiculous because you would 
you would have raced one lap and then turn your car around and just drive backwards and cause a <laughs> yeah, 65 I know car exactly wreck. What you're yeah, about. If, if you tried to do it before, it was a black flag. I think it was NASCAR like 03, uh, Unreal Game. Unreal Game. Oh, I, need, I need to throw one out there. This is this is the other one I had on my list. I like, couldn't find it because my list was so damn long. But this is like probably, arguably the greatest game ever i mean i think you could you could put that tag on it because it's still like people still play it today and it must have came out years ago so um, it's a great great no not sims but that's a great game too um just like game game boy pokemon like pokemon red like pokemon red guys still pro guys like in the minor league still buy game boys to play on the long bus trips so they can play pokemon like that's a thing so great game needs to be talked about yeah, there's an Absolutely. unlimited amount of titles that we could have thrown in here, so I'm kind of excited to see what uh, what it looks like for us um, on the comment section. But if there's anything else or nothing else that you guys have to throw in, should we head over to our episode with Josh? Actually, we should probably touch on the merch, the plus chirp news. Yeah. Merch um, season. Yeah, we did a little thing. Uh, today, we're recording this on Monday. It'll come out on Wednesday, but we released two hats and a t-shirt um and we put the link to our website in our bio on twitter and instagram and all the proceeds will be going towards the foundation that last week's guest started called lost boys inc which is a non-for-profit organization in chicago that uses baseball and softball um, as an outlet for kids that are living in some rough communities going through th- going through some rough times so check out us uh, check us out on social grab a hat grab a t-shirt tell your friends spread the word um it'll all be going towards a very very cool cause here in our hometown yeah couldn't have said it better jack and and um 100 of those proceeds are going to them and supporting them so um last week's episode we were able to talk to levante stewart so give that a listen if you haven't talks a little bit more about it um but we will head over to today's episode with josh heenan um josh is just a, a fun interview strength coach um you know dive into a lot of what he does with some of these programs and everything and, and um, get into some of the nerd stuff of baseball with uh, Mitch and everything. So, um, yeah, we will head over to Josh's Thanks, episode Tom. right now. And uh, <laughs> you guys have a great rest of your day. Enjoy it. All right. Before we get to today's interview, I want to tell you guys about Hit Factory Athletics. Uh, we're all baseball guys here, softball girls here. We all have that one teammate that looks like they got dressed in the dark when they're not wearing their practice gear or their uniform. Um, and if you can't think of that teammate, then it's most likely you. So head over to hitfactoryathletics.com and you'll see sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, backpacks, phone cases, even off-field training equipment like weighted bats and launch angle tees. Uh, they'll take care of you from head to toe. Find them on Instagram and Twitter at hitfactorybsb or their website, which again is hitfactoryathletics.com, and use the code CHIRP for 15% off your purchase at checkout. A doctorate in integrated and natural medicine, uh, strength and conditioning certified, functional movement assessment certification, board certified doctor of natural medicine, president of advanced therapy and performance. Um, I probably... Fuck Holy something cow. up along the way, and list. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's plenty more uh, credentials to add to that. But uh, obviously, an, uh, an amazing resume, um, and definitely has the credentials to be coaching. Um, but the biggest thing that like Jack and I had talked about that we were excited to get you on. Um, you provide a ton of free content for people across across the world. 
um, not only for athletes, but their baseball team. I'm interested, what began your influence on social media and, and how did it start within the baseball community? Oh God. Um, so I play, I mean, I played baseball, um, into college, um, ended up getting cut, uh, twice from a D one program after playing Juco. And, and I just, I knew that training had always been a part of my life. My dad, my dad was in the field, um, as he was a cop, but also, um, was an athletic trainer for many years prior to that. And, uh, so health and wellness was something I knew I wanted to be a part of. Um, since I was 13 years old, I, uh, I've always been in the gym and having fun and just enjoying the process of it. And, and by the time that I was done with college, I was, you know, I was frustrated with um, the lack of good information out there. Um, you know, there was there was a handful of guys that were putting out good stuff, like Cressy um, and Alan uh, Jager would put out great stuff. But I felt like it, it was it was um, there were, there was a lot more to uncover. And I felt like being a baseball player that was in it, I knew that I knew that there were simple ways to apply it. And and I took over a D1 program um, at Sacred Heart University, and. Um, and by five years there, um, during the conference championship every year and our guys were healthy and, um, getting drafted and getting drafted higher than they've ever been drafted from that university. And, and so I realized that I was onto something. So I started to kind of record our numbers, um, and, and look at different metrics and try to kind of tease out and make it, make it so simple that like any moron could put, put these things together and then be like, all right, this, this works. And, and the numbers just kept coming back and back and back that like the body weight, um, coefficient in the 90 mile an hour formula and the lunge metric and the deadlift and being able to do chin-ups were all really important individual pieces that layered on um being just a general good athlete and and so as i started to get that information i i was kind of at a spot where i was like do i what do i do with this do i keep it in house do we have like the secret sauce of like hey i know that we can systematically get a guy to throw 90 now because because we have hundreds and hundreds of data points of athletes that we've got from, you know, high seventies, low eighties to touching 90 on, um, do we keep it in house and then just have the secret sauce or do we like share it? And I'm like, well, this is going to be commoditized in the future. And as data, as data becomes more readily available um, and cheaper um, and, and people start to get, um, think more linearly of like, Hey, how can we get from point, point A to point B? You know, there's, there's the information is going to come out at some point. And that word of mouth is known in the community. It's so small that it just, it just starts to pick up very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be at showcases, um, you know, doing like a warm up and assessments for guys at different showcases and people would start to, you know, travel from serious distances to a showcase that I was going to be at. And, and then it just kind of, I was like, all right, like, let's put out some case studies. And, and I think that's been the key for us is showing the before and afters with, with both our paid clients, um, whether they're on-site or remote clients um, or, or just the free stuff. And the, my favorite ones are always the free stuff. You know, I, yeah. I put out some stuff and a guy that's never talked to me um, or never sent me a message um, is, has, you know, gone from like 75 to 93 and in like a year's time and added 60 pounds to their body weight. It's like, holy crap. Like, mm -hmm. and they didn't even, they didn't even pay anything. All they did was <laughs> put in the hard work. That's awesome. That's like, no, no. that's what it's all about. You know, bring up like the, uh, like the case studies. Is there one story in particular that kind of sticks out for you? That's like the biggest jump that a kid's made. Ooh. Um, no, I, not at the top of my head. There, there's so many good ones. Um, it's a little outside of the, um, the formula stuff, but is one of our guys, Richard, uh, Brewerton. So he's D3, um, D3 guy goes, goes to Emory, um, and, uh, will graduate this year and may get drafted, may, may end up playing a graduate school year at a D1 program. We're not sure yet, but, but Richard's a super unique case study because he came to us 
as a, um, oh God, what was he? I think he was in his sophomore year. Yes, he was a sophomore um, in, in the winter. He came to us and he was 94, 95 from the outfield um, and was 86, 87 on the mound. Uh, strong dude, moves well, um, could swing it. So legit two-way guy um, at a D3 school and, and, you know, dominating at that level, but was going into the NECBL and playing kind of a, um, a upper, upper tier summer uh, ball. And, and one of the things that we did over the winter was he's like, dude, I can't convert my 94, 95 from the outfield to the mounds. It's like 86, 87. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a weighted ball program. And he's like, I feel like it's just not working. He, and he had all the metrics hit. So um, we looked at it. And the unique thing with him was, uh, which ends up being a commonality for a lot of athletes, is um, he was doing a series of six or seven drills. And half of those drills, he had his front foot crossing the midline of his body when, when he was going to throw. So he was kind of crossing in front of himself and, and tying himself up. Whereas when he did, was on the mound, he would do the same thing, cross himself up. When he was in the outfield, he was lined and centered, um, you know, squared, squared to the, the spot he was throwing. So I said to him, I said, you know, I feel like you're just picking the wrong tool um, to try to fix the problems that you have. Why don't we remove all of the drills, including mound throwing, for a couple of weeks do all of your weighted ball drills and only the ones where your hips are squared up and just kind of take away that negative, negative feedback that you're getting from, um, or not negative feedback, but improper movement pattern feedback that you're, that you're uh, using to bring it all back to that formula is, is um, the formula is just so simple where it forces checks and balances. And, you know, the amount of guys that say your formula is garbage, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and like, I, like, I, like I deadlift, I squat, I do all these things whatever. And they give me all their numbers and then they come back and they say, and I'm like, well, what are your lunge numbers? And they're like, well, I don't lunge. I'm like, well, why don't you lunge? Like I have knee pain. I'm like, then you don't hit the formula. And mm-hmm. it's simple. It's just very, it's, it's just very simple of, you know, keeping checks and balances. And most importantly for coaches, um, using the right tool at the right time for the, for the athlete that has a very particular problem. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no magic tool. The, you know, Velocity, core velocity belt, velo, pro belt, uh, weighted balls, long tossing, uh, running guns, turn and burns. Um, you know, all of these drills are wonderful, but if they're not fixing the problem at hand or they're, or they're um, making you move more efficiently, they're making you move more inefficiently. And, and that's, that's where I think this all comes together. No doubt. Um, when I go down the list of your five checkpoints, it's funny looking back at it from an outside view now and I'm like pull-ups make sense like long toss obviously the distance with physics makes sense like a reverse lunge makes sense like you're in that position all the time um where does this concept start because on paper when you look at it I look at it all I'm like yeah like it's so simple like it's simplistic it's easy to understand um but obviously to to be the founder of something like this to start something like this um where did that concept kind of start for you was this something that was uh something you noticed kind of over time or was it just like a guess and check we're gonna try something out see if they work and kind of take it from there well um the Really, I, I knew that there was a couple of components. We need to be able to put force in the ground. So just apply force into the ground. That's like for pitching um, with, with all sports, basically. But with pitching, we need to get our force from the ground by, by applying force into the ground. So that's where I said there has to be a force production position. And that's our deadlift. Can you, can you put enough force into the ground to control yourself? Um, and then I said, all right, well, but the deadlift isn't specific enough to throwing. It, it, you know, we don't. Um, it boggles my mind when program when people can say, well, you know, a lunge or a split squat or a single leg movement isn't 
isn't going to be something that you should be um, loading up or it's, it's really not that applicable. Like I'd rather just um, bilateral squat people. Well, that's, that's it. They're great movements, but mm-hmm. they're not applicable. They're not, they're not specific enough to our baseball positions. Um, you know, when you're going to go throw. So I put people in that, that split stance position and the God's honest truth is when we first started testing it, there was a lot of variance in the split squat in terms of like movement execution. And I said, this is too easy to cheat. So I said, what's the hardest variation that we can come up with? And I said, reverse lunge. And, and, and I, then I looked at it and I said, this really is the, it's the opposite of it's It's the opposite of throwing. It's the deceleration mm-hmm. version of throwing. Um, so I said, that's perfect. Like we're testing our position specific um, movement. And then we need to be able to accelerate and decelerate out of our arm. So getting your arm up overhead and then making sure that you can control that motion and really like decelerating with your external rotators. That was, to me, it was, it was pretty simple. And I just kind of peeled it apart. And then I said, there needs something to be, have true specificity. No med ball throw is going to replicate throwing a baseball. And, and I said, well, there, a guy like me, a, a real good example. I, in high school, I was 5'9", 155 pounds at my max. Um, probably sat 150. Um, I touched 85 on a regular basis, but really would sit 81, 83. And, and my long toss was a very legitimate 350, 360. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a huge discrepancy there. But, but at 5'9", even though I was strong, and I definitely would have hit the metrics in terms of strength numbers, but I was, I was like 25, 30 pounds underweight according to the formula. So I look back, and, and actually the, the real case study that, that brought it to me um, to kind of round this whole thing out was two of my guys. I had one guy by the name of John Murphy, who's, who's probably one of the most athletic athletes I've ever worked with. He's one of my best friends was in my, was in my wedding party. Um, now is a, he was a six round Yankee draft pick, uh, was a shortstop, um, in the minors and utility player. And now is a, uh, at, uh Boston college and okay. he could, he could throw the absolute uh, piss out of the ball across the, across the diamond. You know, he's probably, I, I don't know his exact numbers, but he's probably 94, 95 across the diamond. Um, and he's, he's five eleven. Uh, probably, um, at a college, he was maybe like a buck 85, buck 80. Um, so he threw really hard across the diamond and definitely could jump on the mound and let it rip. Um, whereas my other guy, uh, Troy Scribner, who ends up, who ended up becoming, um, uh, crack of the big leagues with, um, the angels and, um, the diamondbacks, uh, now is in, now is in the, um, independent leagues. Um, he was six, two, Pedigree MLB, older brother, um, played for the Mariners for a good amount of time. Um, he was like a buck 55 in college when he first started. And he couldn't, he was a great, tremendous pitcher, but couldn't throw very hard. He could long toss reasonably well, mm-hmm. but he was always 82, 85, somewhere in there. Um, and I looked at them and I said, the difference here is one, a little bit of strength. Uh, John was stronger than him, uh, than Troy. And uh, John also had more muscle mass than he had. And I said, there's, there has to be something to this. And ironically, I said to Troy, um, you know, I think probably his freshman year when he was like a buck 55, I said, when you were 200 pounds, I was like, you'll crack a big league roster roster. I'm like, your, your, your strength and your movement capacity is, is decent. We can still build upon that, but, but your size is your limiting factor. And sure enough, like when he cracked the big leagues, he was 200 pounds. Um, and, and so I, that was, those were the two guys that I was really able to like, like, I knew I had the formula figured out, but there was mm-hmm. one piece and the, and the body weight was definitely the thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it sounds like, uh, your formula is kind of similar to like the kinetic chain of pitching, right? If there's a break in the chain, there's going to be a break in, uh, you know, velocity output. Here's the thing. The body moves so many ways. 
um, when we're following the way our bones are structured and muscles are structured. It's just biomechanics. It's, it's how our bodies move. So we're building, we're building resilient humans that happen to throw. That's, that's the way we attack all of our problems. Um, and we see a lot of, uh, we see a lot of athletes, uh, both in the, um, post-surgical, um, non-surgical, uh, pain realm and, and performance based that are, that are not baseball players in the, in the real truth is, is that, is that, you know, if you take, if you take, um, myself or, or any of the other industry leaders that, that people would want to uh, deem that are really good at training baseball players, for instance, and keeping them healthy and on the field, they would do just as well in, in other fields, as long as they're able to break down the, the mechanics of those injuries. Um, moving is moving is moving. We want to, we want to have the requisite mobility, stability, and, um, and capacity to move in the time and space as we want to. So as we're able to build up those, those um, really eccentric strength and movement capacity, which is just our, you know, slowing those muscles down and decelerating the, um, the lengthening of the muscle, just like you would when you go to throw a baseball, you're extending your arm, you're letting your bicep get long and you're controlling how your arm accelerates or decelerates from that position. Um, any good training is going to help, quote unquote, reduce injuries. Now there's so many moving parts to all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, I think that's the thing is, is we're getting the, the thing that, that is tough to quantify is you look at the guys that we get that are in the early stages of their minor league baseball career. And they're like, I got this elbow thing. I've been training. I just started hitting the formula. I throw mid nineties, but I still got this like weird elbow thing. Well, Yes, the formula, if you're strong and you move well, then that's great. It, it will help curtail uh, some injuries. But at the, at the end of the day, like, we don't know the wear and tear this kid had in Little League. We mm-hmm. don't know, you know, junior, uh, junior high, high school. Uh, we don't know his, what his arm mechanics are like um, back then. We don't know, you know, how strong he was. And, and are we discrediting or are we not giving the same uh, amount of credit, rightfully or wrongfully, to those throws with, suboptimal movement patterns, suboptimal strength. You know, if you got a, if you, I have, I, I, my inbox on Instagram is flooded with guys that are like 90, 93 out of high school and 150, 160 pounds. We, that, you know, if you're six, three throwing low to mid nineties and 150 pounds, how can we ever quantify those throws similar to the throws of a, you know, fully developed version of you at 220 pounds, where you're able to um, adequately decelerate without putting excess strain on your UCL or, or, um, you know, your lower body strength is going to be able to help decelerate um, that upper body in, in an efficient manner. It's just, it's hard to tease out, but good training will, will always win out um, compared to not training or compared mm-hmm. to uh, omitting pieces of the training. So is there five all this content to plan? Or, or have that graph start to go down on your website you have like that graph and it really shows like a, a crazy spike from like right around 2007 2008 the numbers of of uh ucl or tommy john surgeries um and like i know from experience like i got the surgery in 2015 and like i didn't know a thing about training until i was like 10 or 12 months removed from surgery, you know? So I'm, I'm yep. curious, like, is all that free content out there just because you just want to sim just check these boxes, you're significantly reducing the chance that you go under the knife. Yeah. And, and I think, I think one it's, it's 
the morally and ethically right thing to do um, when we have that information um, to share. And I also think that, that a lot of people are left kind of pissing in the wind, so to speak, and they don't know what to do. And I think even just having a, a, a mild platform that they can look at and say, all right, like this is my trajectory and this is how I can start to at least own my health and wellness, um, especially during the times of like a post-operative care where a lot of guys are, you know, they're going and they're getting some soft tissue work and then some ultrasound and some tubing exercises and that's it. It's like the gap between... Those are the best days. Your- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly a little little heat little ice yeah all right get out of here <laughs> exactly nice and easy but uh but you know the gap between the gap between uh getting ultrasound on your elbow and throwing max effort flat ground is is so large it's like the freaking grand canyon man it's like the whole entire space there is just massive and there's so many issues that can happen in there so um, you know, I would love to see that, that number curtail, but what I, what I believe will happen 10, 20, 30 years is that I think that, that people will come around and say, and, and see the, the philosophical view of the movement capacity and the things that we have out there and realize that it's, it's literally just baseline. I think it's, I think it's almost should be a prerequisite to throwing, um, at some extent, especially at the higher levels. Um, they'll use that as a baseline and then we can start to produce research that compares different things versus so so for instance if we take if we take a, a hundred guys that throw 90 90 plus they all hit the formula now we can start to tease out different factors of like like all right are we going to test genetics are we going to test um you know uh other sports played growing up can we test um arm you know where's your hand at front foot contact uh your throwing arm um where's your elbow at front foot contact uh hip rotation at front foot contact um we can start to tease these things out it's uh, there's all this great research out there on on the throwing um, injuries and surgeries related to it and and um, health histories and overuse and all this stuff. But in the back of my head, I almost think all of it doesn't matter because if we don't have a baseline to compare mm-hmm. of hey, this guy can this guy has a baseline of strength, stability, size, muscle mass um, with movement quality. Um, you know, like in their lunge, for instance, like if you can't fully extend your hip in a lunge or you can't fully extend your elbow in, in a chin up, that that's a liability. Those guys should not be compared to one another because those are two different animals. Mm. But when we can baseline them all together and then we can stack research and say, Hey, this guy had Tommy John hit the formula. And now, now he's returning to, and, and he had a, you know, he had no elbow, no reported elbow pain for the, you know, the five years following that mm-hmm. versus the group that the group that, um, you know, maybe has all those factors, but like played, um, I don't know, played soccer growing up. Like we, now we can start to compare them and have, yeah. have some, you know, apples to apples. Yeah, you bring, up, you bring up genetics. And, I, and when you look across the big leagues, you see um, whether they're like, super you know tall and thin guys like sale who unfortunately just blew out or or guys that are getting older in age that just out of a guess probably can't hit all the metrics how much stock are you putting in genetics to be like well he this guy's not really hitting all the all the numbers but like he can just throw hard as shit and that's really all it is there's a huge component to that i'm sure i'm i'm sure that before i'm dead that there will be you know the scouting report's going to be pretty easy he hits the hits the formula he, you know, he throws 99 consistently, and then they're going to do probably a quick DNA swab on his mouth and say, <laughs> hey, you know what? That's, that's our guy, you know? And, and I think 
<clears throat> I think there's a lot of pieces that are, um, you can will yourself to a certain level of athletic performance um, and, and capture a certain per, uh, percentage of your potential. Um, but there's definitely people that are, you know, there's, if you're if you're seven if you're seven feet tall and you live in the United States, there's a I believe it's there there's a 25 percent chance that you have played or will play in the NBA. Like people are just some people are <laughs> and and I may be off a little bit with that number, but I'm pretty sure I'm close. Um, <clears throat> a lot of these people are chosen, and um, it's hold on, I'm there we go. Um, it's uh it, it's something that is well outside of the re- the realm of my scope in terms of what I understand um, with genetics, but I do believe that there is a genetic component that that is um, that we're going to end up finding a lot more out in the coming years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting to, to think about that, just what the future holds in baseball. I mean, we're just kind of scratching the surface of for as much as information that's come out in the last five, 10 years, especially with the growth of social media. Um, it's really interesting to think that there's so much more that we don't know about. Um, and, and down the road, I feel like that's something we're obviously going to to uncover a little bit more. The DNA swab makes me think of like some like futuristic movie with robots <laughs> flying, robotic cars flying around. It's uh, seems future, pr- future pro days are guys yeah. just getting swabbed and then everyone Yeah, moves. getting swabbed. And, hey, and but it's but the way it's we're real. going. Right. No, yeah. no, that's that's a, that's a feasible thing. Like that is something that could definitely happen. And once it's able to happen, like you're going to see the top end organizations invest a lot of money and things like that to figure things out, because, um, you know, it, it is important. Obviously, genetics is an important factor. And, and unfortunately, um, eh, probably probably for a good thing. But the days of crushing a 12 pack after your start and smoking cigars <laughs> in the dugout is pretty much uh, pretty much over. We know that's not the uh, most beneficial way to recover. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Josh, with your formula, I know you had mentioned a little bit earlier in, in our conversation, um, there's been a little bit of like kickback to you um, and some people aren't totally bought in. And for me looking at it, I'm like, at the very least, like there's so many people out there getting free content on how to develop a consistent routine. Um, you're in the trenches with your players. Uh, you know, you're working hands on with guys. Um, for you, what what's your message to kind of those people that are still skeptical um, about the, the information that you've been able to provide? I, I really think, um, first of all, I think I got to preface all this with if, I, if any of us knew what we were talking about in the field, every one of our guys would throw 100. I encourage our athletes, followers, people that are engaging with, with some of our content, um, you know, don't just follow my stuff. Like, if you find someone that is completely counter to my, my philosophical views, you, you would be a really smart athlete and coach and parent to follow that person as well and to do some digging because – because no one has all the answers right now. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that completely disagree with me that have really good information and have really good execution of things that I would not handle. Um, and the, the way I would handle it would be different. And that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. It just means that there, there's different ways to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only that, it, it's pushing other people in, in terms of having some competition. Like, like you said, like, hey, we're putting out free stuff that you're making guys pay for. Like, step your game up a little bit. Let, let's start a little bit of competition in the industry because um, that's how you're going to develop. I mean, think of competition as a player. Like, when you're a bench guy and there's a guy in front of you, um, your motive, if you're competitive, is I want to outwork that guy so I get on the field. It's no different in this industry. Who's going to be the next guy to kind of step up and take development 
in the next uh, in the next step? It's hard work. It's not easy. And and I knew that, like, you know, if, if I'm a big leaguer or if I'm a, approaching the big leagues and I throw 100, 101 miles an hour and and I put a barbell on my back with no weight and I and I can't do 10 reps of a reverse lunge. Either that's going to do one thing. It's one or two things. It's either going to crumble you and say, oh, screw this. I'm not going to do it. Or it's going to humble you and say, I need to really step myself up and, and continue to work because that is obviously a chink in my armor. And we've had a bunch of those athletes. And, and I think the, the, the thing that actually hurts our business a lot, of time, basically everybody knows about our work in Fairfield County of, of how we train and what we expect. Um, and a lot of athletes will not come to us because they don't, they would rather show up and work, work hard based on what they want to accomplish, not what's going to get them the results that they're looking for. And, and I think that those are two different athletes. And, and, you know, when you get a challenge, I mean, you guys know, as being college and professional athletes, it's like when, when you have adversity, there's two ways to attack it. You can either step back and be like, all right, I'm just not going to do anything. Or you're going to say, I'm going to motor through and I'm going to find a way to get to accomplish this and use this as a, as an obstacle that's going to make me better, not, not, you know, hurt my ego. And, and I think it's a, the, the hard part is, is sometimes it shoots us in the foot in terms of, you know, attaining new clients that are like, I don't know if I want to put in that work. The great thing is, is that our clients are clients for life when they come to us because they know what the work is going to be. And when you're in the trenches and, you know, we have a guy right now, uh, probably our most stud athlete is a D3 dude. Um, he's, uh, an outfielder. Um, and, and I say stud in terms of just like 1113 exit velocity, uh, 95 from the outfield, six, three sixty, um, run, uh, reverse lunges. I believe it's four sixty five for three at 185 pounds. That is, that is, is that good? Mon- that, that, is, <laughs> that is relatively good. Um, I mean, I mean, he's sniffing, he's sniffing some serious numbers in there. Um, and, you know, he's got, he's trap, he could probably trap our deadlift 700 pounds right now. Um, with, Jeez. with really good form. It's, I mean, the thing hey, is, tell him, is to, like, tell him to start powerlifting. What's he doing playing baseball? Jesus. Hey man, he's got a love for the game. Um, <laughs> uh, when, when he's done playing baseball, I promise I'll have him go out and break every state record very quickly. I um, love that. But, but I think that's, but I think that's the thing is that, um, to get to that level of strength and power and skill, um, the amount of work is work that most people aren't willing to put in. So when you're, when you're in the trenches pushing through with those people that are willing to put in that amount of work and looking for results that are not of the 1%, but of the 0.001%, um, you know, that, that changes the culture of, of what we have, you know? You have the decision to put in the work and train, or you can choose not to. It's as simple as that. And yeah, your your situation might not be as ideal as someone else, but at the end of the day, um, which is part of the reason why I love your your system, is it is so simple uh, to implement, um, and it, it allows every athlete to not have an excuse. Uh, everyone has the content. You either do it or you don't. Yeah, and and that's you know to to kind of round that all out. I think. Uh, bringing back to the whole, the first conversation we had about, you know, kind of filling the buckets of like where you're weak or what your, or, or where your imbalances are in terms of just your body um, strength structure and uh, mechanics. It adding the guy, our guy, Henry Strumecki that, that runs a six, three and reverse lunges, you know, three sixty five for reps, him getting to a 500 reverse lunge is not going to make him run a four, eight, like four, eight, 60. Like that's just not going to happen. And at the end of the day, it, it's about, 
It's about putting the work in on the things that are going to move the needle the most. It's about getting to the gym regularly and, and getting to a weight that will allow them to compete at the next level. For our next level guys, college pro, it's about, it's about making sure that strength is no longer the weakness, the chink in your armor that's going to limit your performance. Then it's about making sure that your mechanics, movement capacity, um, ability to compete, um, you know, having secondary third pitches, um, throwing them for strikes, throwing them for outs. Like um, those things are, they're all layered on top of each other. And for me, I look at the fundamental of like, you're, you're basically, you're basically worthless if you're injured and on the bench for your organization. So you got to be healthy, you got to move well, and you need to be injured resistant or resilient so that you can be on the field anytime your number is called. No, it's, a, it's an amazing system, Josh. And, and after talking to you, obviously, you see the, the passion and the drive you had for um, not only player development, but setting a culture that doesn't give people an out and an excuse, which is awesome because I think uh, our generation and the generation before us need something like that. Um, they need to be kept in line. Um, but more importantly, you're giving out free information for any athlete looking to get better and steered in the right direction. And and when something's free, it doesn't take a whole lot, but a couple weights in a gym to get it done, you really don't have an excuse there. Um, I'm super fired up to hear that you're working with the Dodgers, obviously from a personal note. Um, that was awesome to hear. Uh, we've been following your stuff for years now and um, actually part of your system, I implemented in my own programming when I was going through playing pro ball and it helped me stay healthy. Um, help me put on weight. And uh, I just want you to know that uh, your information is phenomenal and, and everything you're implementing and pushing in the baseball community is beneficial to kids from ages 10 all the way to professionals, which is awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks for coming on, Josh. Keep Bird Dog growing. <laughs>